I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch says, Fuller, go easy on the sexy. Whatever happened to predictability? The milkman, the paper boy, the evening TV. You miss your old familiar friends with waiting just around the bend. Everywhere you look, everywhere there's you a heart, there's a heart. A hand to hold on to. Everywhere you look, everywhere there's you look. Hey, Aaron. How are you? Good. I was very proud of that. I know. You texted me days ago saying, can't wait for the intro. Um, it made me happy every time I thought of it, including right that. Now. I mean, that's something. Also, so I never watched past the first season of Fuller House, and we did. We're, we'll get there. But we got past the first season, and I found out a lot about some changes that they made uh, because of what you're talking about between the first and the second season. But uh, I suppose we should just get into it. Yes. Welcome. It is We Love to Watch, we're a movie podcast, typically. We typically pick movies around uh, around sort of a big uh, Christmas tree of themes, we'll say. And we, we put our presence of episodes out and we go, these are all related to this theme. So this month has been a very saccharine Christmas where we've covered that extra special uh, holiday movie, the made-for-television-ish a holiday classic like A Christmas Prince and North Pole. You know, there's like three major networks that do that, that make those sort of movies. Netflix, Hallmark, and Lifetime. There's not a fourth really yet, although I'm sure there's something that's been made for Oxygen or something that we could have pulled in, but we didn't want to because we had, we had a, I don't know if it's an axe so much to grind, maybe like a, a spork. maybe that's even too sharp but uh one thing a little bit behind the scenes that you as a listener don't know about unless you've guessed it on an episode where peter and i just talked and stopped including you well we well we unloaded some demons for 20 or 30 minutes sometimes we talk we get on tangents and they're so long and so off topic that you never hear it and for some goddamn reason over the past couple years We've deleted three or four of essentially the same conversations about Full House. So we're like, okay, saccharine, eye-rollingly lame, Christmas. What if we cap off our Christmas month with a Christmas special on all of the Christmas-themed Full and Fuller House episodes? So I would like to welcome you, on behalf of myself and Peter, to... The fullest house, a We Love to Watch Christmas special. When I proposed it, Peter, I thought we'd be doing a minimum of 12 episodes. <laughs> because how you're an, you're an 80, late 80s, early 90s sitcom. You're a Netflix television show. You're doing a Christmas episode once a year, minimum. And perhaps you come all the way back around. You do one at the beginning of the season and one at the end. Yeah, maybe there's two Christmases, because it doesn't matter, because they live in San Francisco, where there's not snow, except uh, uh, 40% of these episodes feature snow, one of them a blizzard, <laughs> that grounds flights. <laughs> um, 
To to my surprise, Peter's surprise, there was only out of eight seasons of Full House, there's three Christmas episodes. And of four seasons so far of Fuller House, there's two Christmas episodes. So this didn't end up being as arduous of a task as we initially thought. We initially thought it was us wearing a hair shirt, us punishing ourselves, us laying ourselves on a sacrificial altar for the enjoyment of our of our fans and also the enjoyment of our enemies. Yeah, uh, I thought I was going to have to hear the famous catchphrases from this show, like, did I do that? And whoa, a hundred times each. You know, we don't need to get into that. We want to focus on just two shows, two television shows. But yeah, there was only uh, only five total Christmas episodes. But even <laughs> then, when there was one set of footprints, it was when Fuller House was carrying Full House. It was when, it was when Mary Kate and uh, was carrying Ashley Olsen <laughs> to one Michelle. Uh, so even though with five episodes, I thought it was going to be a bigger task. I still, this is true, fell asleep in the last five minutes of the final Fuller House episode. And guess what? I didn't rewatch it. I didn't rewind when I woke <laughs> up. I'm like, it's fine. Whatever uh, happened will be a surprise to me. I don't care. Um, uh, that That is an interesting thing that the uh, Full House... Uh, is, you know, 21 to 24 minutes, as one would expect. Fuller House, since it's on Netflix, uh, has the... Eight hours. <laughs> each episode lasts roughly... Um, one length, Irishman. The, last, roughly the length it takes to uh, have sex and give birth to a baby. They weirdly didn't go to, like, 20 minutes. They are a little on the long side. Uh, I was also a little surprised, so I, I did fall asleep right about the time that Joey shows up. <laughs> in the in the in the Fuller House episode that we did, I was a little surprised that they kept a relatively consistency of characters across like the these five episodes spanning over like twenty five years because like Joey dresses up like Santa in all of them, and then he shows up on Fuller House and dresses up like Santa. Jesse is the weird one that believes in the magic of Christmas each time. Um... Which is very surprising for a an era where sitcoms would, like, introduce fiancés that would disappear forever and no one would talk about it. So the, the Christmas episodes we watched almost entirely had uh, the, the younger cast plus their new children and dash uh, significant Which others. Which in, in Fuller House? In Fuller House. We watched and two episodes. We watched, yes, yeah, sorry, two episodes from Fuller House. Uh and in those two episodes, Joey comes in and uh, the fake studio audience uh, whoops like hyenas. They're so excited to see their old buddy Joey. The cast is fucking massive, but they so they can't afford to have like all of them in one episode, I guess. Do they like if they cut, if they get Bob Saget, do they have to like cut two of the kids or something? Well, hold on. Let's talk about that. So uh, and then we'll circle back to some Full House talk. So. Fuller House is crazy. It is uh, releasing a fifth season in 2020. It's their last season, uh, mainly because uh, they have to abandon the house to go visit their aunt in jail. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's why, but she's not on the fifth season. So the uh, the show is produced by Bob Saget, um, Jesse Gonzalez, <laughs> and Dave Coulier. Cool. Yay. Cooler. Sir Dave Coulier. Those three produced the show. 
they're the ones that like worked with I think Michael Jacobs to get it back. So they they show up in a lot of episodes because they effectively I don't know their level of involvement with day to day operations or scripts, but they work on the show. So it's actually more strange to me that they don't have more of a presence, uh, especially Dave Coulet. Why is he not on every episode? Does he have something better to do that no one knows about? <laughs> I asked the same question. I was like, <laughs> like Bob Saget, he's a comedian. He never really liked doing the show because he wants to say terrible joke, like jokes that are funny just because uh, like a second grader would find it funny. Like I said, a gay stereotype. And, um, he's, and he's been directing. I don't know if you know this. He's directed uh, a bunch of episodes, 13 episodes of Fuller House. Fuller House. Yep. So sometimes that kind of makes sense, like, why, um, sorry, he's only appeared in 13 episodes of the show. He's directed, uh, five episodes. It's not that they're, like, too busy behind the scenes. <laughs> like, yeah. there's literally four plus seasons of this shit, and it just keeps going. And, like, I get why Jesse Consopolis, why am I forgetting his real name? Um, Giuseppe? Just, no, like, his real name. Like, the actor's name. Why John, do I John Stamos. John Stamos. The most. <laughs> the stay with the most. Like, he has, like, been on other shows, has an okay career. Bob Zagat again, uh, tours all the time. Like, what the fuck is Dave doing? He doesn't, he doesn't just be on the show, Dave. Like, you can be the goofy uncle. Like, Kimmy's on the show. <laughs> Why isn't Dave on the show? The boyfriend from two seasons is on the show. And uh, I can, the implication by season four is, is he's back with DJ, the voice of Aladdin himself. I, I mean, to be fair, Dave Coulier has been acting steadily since uh, mm, whatever he? Full House is over. But it's all voice work, right? Like, uh, it's like a voice role here, a voice role there. Um, and I don't know if steadily is actually the correct word, but like he's I had, you know. know, an entry every year or two, like, and for someone who's loaded and doesn't have to, doesn't have to do much, um, that's, that's pretty, I mean, that's, at least he's doing something, but why, and how come in 2016, when they brought this show back, they, he can't uh, spare time to show up. Or if he can spare time, why can't well, they he's afford there, to he's pay him? He's just there occasionally, but like... They it's, can't afford they to pay sh- him, apparently, because it's 13 episodes out of whatever, 40 or 50. I mean, I mean, he's the producer, so he gets to decide. But like, I've seen, I've seen most of the first season, and we'll get into why in a second. Everyone's in the first episode, and then they kind of take turns rotating. So, like, Aunt Becky's in an episode, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, uh, Danny's in an episode. Like, they, there's usually, like, a person, uh, one of the original adults uh, from Full House that's on the show each week. And then my, my gut tells me that goes away and they're not on as frequently. But as you said, like, there's 50 episodes of Full House and Bob Saget's acted on 13 of them. And I'm sure Dave Coulet has been on 10 or 13. Like, so they're they're on it a lot, but I guess they just decided to not make themselves part of the cast. And that's because, so this is why we really started talking about Full House. This is actually a perfect segue. So my daughter, uh, all of Full House is on Hulu. And I thought, you know, I used to watch it as a kid. Definitely, 
not even a show for me that, like, I had a lot of nostalgia in going back to. Like, Saved by the Bell, I was a little bit older when that came out, and that's a really good example of a show that um, is is terrible, but is so over-the-top and silly in its premises, combined with this nostalgia, I can have, like, so bad it's good fun with it. Full House is just so... Down the middle, boring, teach a lesson each time. Essentially no even like eye-rollingly funny jokes. Half the time not jokes, just kids saying stuff that's cute. Um that I I didn't have much nostalgia in returning to it, but my daughter became obsessed with it, and we ended up watching every episode of all eight seasons over the last year. And then like definitely some episodes more and more, because it was one of her things where every night she wanted to watch an episode of Full House. So we got when we got done with this uh, unplanned rewatch of all of Full House. I'm like, well, why not? This will be funny. You can watch Fuller House. So first, the first thing that she learned from watching Fuller House is the concept of mortality, uh, <laughs> because she was very concerned why everyone looked so old. It was very jarring from her. Yeah, yeah, there's, <laughs> I, I think this is supposed to be uh, a sweet heartwarming thing to see uh, life crushing down these people. <laughs> um, and, and and the way they get around the fact that it's kind of grim to see all these people grown <laughs> up this fast and to see life take its ravages. Like, for instance, DJ's husband is canonically dead. And in the Christmas episode, the son is really upset about it. So it's not even something that's in the distant past just so she can, like, reunite with... You know, they set up the same premise of Full House. The premise of Full House is that this single, this dad of three girls, um's wife died, and so uh, his best friend Joey and his wife's brother Jesse come and live to help out with him uh, to take care of the girls. Like the first episode of Full House takes place pretty soon after their mom has died. <laughs> Obviously, it starts with them just being there for a little bit, and eventually they just all move in there and they all stay in the house, and other people get fucking married in the house and have their kids in the attic and stuff as Full House goes on. Um, oh, yeah, the house just keeps expanding to unholy proportions. I guess we have a studio in the basement now for Jesse and the Rippers. <laughs> it's like uh, the house from House of Leaves. They just keep turning corners. <laughs> there's new there's new rooms have grown. <laughs> like So the craziest thing is that so they're rebooting Full House. It's gonna be about the kids growing up. Well, two of the three kids, because obviously Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen are not coming anywhere near this. Um and that's that's a kind of a sometimes running joke on the few episodes of Fuller House I've seen. Apparently they have a fashion career and don't have time to visit. So they made, like, Kimmy Gibbler, the, the fucking annoying next-door neighbor, the third daughter for this reboot. But they decided to literally, what if the same thing happened to DJ? So now DJ, her husband has died and left her with three boys. Uh, her sister and best friend move in to help out. And I have to say, let's pause there. That's fucking insane like at this point it's not just a couple tragedies that have befallen this family there's a curse someone has placed a curse on this family that they have three kids and then the spouse dies yeah it's 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 a recursive sort of cycles that <clears throat> um speak to 
speak to a, a grander tragedy that all of them are too they're just surrounding themselves by people and friends <laughs> and chaos to distract themselves from the fact that uh it's a pretty the next one of them to find happiness will end up burying that person can you imagine so danny tanner his wife dies they have like at the time a six-month-old kid like a five-year-old and an eight-year-old he's in this giant house where he's never even been in all the rooms there's probably a secret passageway and he's like you know what this is gonna be tough he he forgoes relationships he gets engaged and it doesn't work out he has to make constant constant compromises with his acceptable level of cleanliness in the house to just be like hey i'm gonna give my daughters a good childhood with the hopes that they never have to go through anything like this and guess what they didn't have to go through anything like this they had to go through the exact same fucking thing (laughs) to the letter yeah it, it is it is deeply okay so like a lot of these, uh, a lot of these, like soft reboots, where it's technically a continuation of the story, but it's also a retelling of the original thing. A lot of these, these like soft reboots, uh, there's a there's a sort of magic to the fact that things are happening again. Like Force Awakens is sort of a reboot of New Hope, and there's a sort of magic to the fact that. Uh, you know, Ray is going on the same journey that um, Luke Skywalker went on, or whatever. In this, you're right. It has like a the, like a they're trapped in a Groundhog Day hell scenario. Yeah, because there's something so, and, I, and I'll get to this later. But like, there's something so. I'll get to it now. Uh, there's something so <laughs> surreal about the about this as a sitcom because nothing they say is funny, and yet the audience is uproariously laughing. The audience is reacting with this aggressive cloying like every moment is every moment is worthy of a five-star emotional response and it, it adds a surreality to it that is is kind of creepy in fuller house and all sitcoms have a sort of surreality that can either be very comforting um because you're operating at a sort of safe distance but if you want to you can zoom in with the camera and enjoy the fun but if you know things get too uncomfortable you know it is just a sitcom in fuller house there's an artificiality to everything there's a desperation to everything that feels um uncomfortable it's hard to sit with fuller house is insane for not just the reason that we already mentioned which is the only way they they rebooted the concept by killing another parent. Uh, um, <laughs> they needed to in order to blood, uh, get blood their needed wishes. to be <laughs> yeah, they, yeah blood needed to be spilled. It also implies that he, uh, her oldest son will someday get married, have three daughters, and uh, his wife will die. Like this is a never ending cycle that is going to continue to happen to the Tanner household. But the other thing, and also it is like it is going for. Somewhere between current shitty Lifetime sitcoms and Netflix aesthetic and the 90s sitcom. So it, it's odd to watch. It doesn't it doesn't have a tone that even is like, oh, this isn't just for me. It, it's kind of dead-eyed and off. Just something's off about it, which, as you said, which I think is right. But the other thing is that Full House and all those 90s sitcoms were like eye-rollingly wholesome occasionally there'd be a nod to like especially in the early seasons like 
Jesse went on a date and didn't come home and Danny being like, oh, great example for the girls, right? That's about as, like, frank with adult situations it got. Yeah, he wasn't a Joey or a Barney for, you know, How I Met Your Mother. He wasn't, it wasn't like he was constantly making fuck jokes. It was that it was, like, lightly alluded to. There was, like, a contrast between this, like, young, single, attractive guy trying to be a parent. Like, that was the point, right? Trying to help parent the girls. It wasn't about, like, oh, someone someone brought, like, the Three's Company people into the into the Tanner household while they're grieving their dead mom. Which is um, also, let's, let's, let's take a, a brief step here to just say one nice thing about Full House. Uh, yeah. It, it's kind of nice to have that set up, which is clearly, like, you know, three men and a baby made a lot of money. Um, it's kind of yeah. Like, weird this came out the same year. It's, it's so almost weird. like um, three five. men and a baby is all about how men are ill-equipped to be parents, which is like a really sexist, weird thing to say. Not because it's sexist against men, because it creates a situation where women are expected to do all the child yeah. rearing, yada yada, whatever. Um, it's 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 gross. The show, but the show at least was saying like the show constantly had. Um, Uncle Jesse, Joey, and uh, Danny. Uh, I almost forgot Bob Saget's actual name in the show. Um, Uncle Jesse, Joey, and Danny were all um, very sweet parents, very emotional parents. Would talk about their talk about all sorts of kids, uh, you know, all sorts of emotional issues with their kids. Yeah, and obviously there was plenty of stuff in there that is, um, it's you know, heteronormative or whatever. But the fact that like they would jump, it would, these two, you know, whatever brother-in-law of danny and a college roommate i don't remember what uh best friend since like childhood yeah the fact that these two dudes uh these two adult dudes were thrown into this situation to like sort of fill in the role of a dead mother uh is kind of sweet like and it's kind of and it's kind of nice to have a one of these shows not just shit on the idea of men being parents because i think especially even now there's all these like there's all this shit where guys like you overhear, like, guys saying, like, oh, yeah, I'm babysitting this weekend. And you're like, no, it's your fucking kid. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and actually, Full House, again, someone who has for uh, unplanned and a full rewatch of the series recently. Full House uh, never, with, with the exception of, like, Joey and Jesse not knowing how to change a diaper in, like, the first couple episodes. But, again, they're single ki- guys without kids. Like, it was never about... Like, Danny wasn't a good father or, like, I don't know how to to raise kids without my wife. It was about three kids are a lot. I have a full-time job. I need some help. Full House never really was about, like, can men be parents? Uh, Like, ever. Which, you're right, is very refreshing. Also, I was impressed. I'm not saying they, they always get it right. I was actually impressed how the lessons, for the most part, hold up. Like, so it's it's a show that I have no, like, qualms about my daughter's watching. Even stuff about, like, uh, Jesse being raised with, like, a heteronormative about here's what guys uh, – like, there's actually a really good episode where um, Jesse is telling Stephanie that, like, oh, yeah, do whatever you want. You can, like, uh, do quote-unquote boy things or girl things. Like, just do what makes you happy. And then Stephanie overhears – jesse make fun of becky for like knowing about car things right and it's like hey you told me that i could care about whatever i wanted and you're like making fun of grown adult women for caring about what they want and like jesse like is like oh yeah that was completely shitty of me (laughs) he doesn't say (laughs) shitty but you know so like it actually has like 
like that's a good episode for the 90s that like you can't just tell kids that like you don't have to care about like activities that match your assigned gender but like those those adults need to be be living that in their life wholly not just when they talk to kids in an inspirational sense and like there's a lot of episodes where i've been somewhat impressed by those lessons and you know a couple here and there where it was like a little more eye roll so flash forward so that's full house it's fine you know what full house is it has a lot of bad jokes but it but it was it was a huge hit and kind of encapsulates that kind of like not funny sort of family friendly comedy of the like like a a, a not really comedy of the 90s but like a huge hit fuller house then the, the the third rung of that oddness that is fuller house decided to make especially the first season about you know those those adorable kids you loved them now they're grown up and they are ready to fuck what it's why we didn't continue with fuller house and again i am not saying that you can't have a show, and I would never say this, and I hope this doesn't what it sounds like, that like, how dare you have a show about a grieving widow trying to meet men. <laughs> she has to grieve for her husband for five years. And also, everyone should be a virgin. Female sexuality is gross. It would um, be it would be refreshing if the surrounding uh the surrounding milieu was not so gross. Yeah. Um, except that it is just it's a lot about them. Stephanie, Kimmy, and TJ, like, trying to fuck, and has a lot of, like, dirty fucking jokes. Oh, yeah. And it's so odd. Who was that for? Was it for, like, people trying to recapture the kind of, like, family classic of Full House to introduce their kids to a modern version of, like, the show they liked when they were eight or nine? It is... Filthy so much so, and this was news to me. So I didn't. There wasn't as much of that in the two episodes that we watched, which were in season two and season four. Apparently, like they got a lot of blowback, both in like rev- like at, you know reviewers and letters and comments and stuff like that. So they like toned it down considerably from season one to to the subsequent seasons and like realized oh maybe no one's watching this for like obvious on the nose single entendres about fucking and one night stands and boobs and penises and stuff like that and they like knocked it off a little bit and actually surprisingly some of the critic reviews were like hey this actually got okay season two on i'm never gonna find out well i should never say never especially with kids but they were probably thinking that a significant portion of the audience was adult people or adult people that were watching the show as nostalgia, and they were like, "Well, we should cater to them." And then they over-catered because <laughs> in the first episode, yeah. there's this whole weird dance sequence that's the entire point of it, and the audience is uh, hooting and hollering. It's really uncomfortable. Um, is uh, look, remember those cute little girls in the original show? They got so hot. It's, it's yeah. so fucking weird. Oh, yeah. And they, and they just go out like Stephanie. She just goes out every night and picks up a new guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Jeff Wells wrote it. Oh, so uh, can we talk about uh, a little Jeff that uh, was re- removed from this show um, because of his bad behavior? Jeff Franklin? Jeff Franklin. 
So oh, was he? Jeff Franklin was the... Uh, so he was the creator of Full House. Creator. I said Mike Franklin earlier, but it's Jeff Franklin. Yeah, Jeff Franklin is the original creator. He produced a bunch of uh, sitcoms, including, you know, I, I mentioned Hanging with Mr. Cooper, and he produced this. Um, and, apparent, and he got um, outed as a creep. So he used to... Mm, in uh, Hollywood, a man with power <laughs> used to make really gross, like right. uh, gross leering comments at women on set. Um, he used to make everyone in the writers' room really uncomfortable. He used to um, do the like almost like a casting couch kind of thing. And mind you, this dude was like in his sixties. Um, <laughs> do a casting couch kind of thing where I he mean, would cast women that slept with him uh, as like bit roles on the show. Um, oh yeah holy and, cow i'm reading this yeah so he was Oof. he was a huge fucking creep and they removed him i think uh after the third season he uh, complained about having to hire directors who were women or people of color yeah he was apologizing a- to his staff for not dating jewish women uh and described female directors as all the same um also unrelated in 1994, he uh, bought the house uh, that the Tate murders happened in. <laughs> <laughs> well, he also bought the original Full House house um, because the original uh, owners complained so much about, you know, oh, we, we hate all these people bugging us at our door, which, fair enough. That's very fair fucking enough. annoying. Also, I'm sure all the neighbors. Because <laughs> all the houses, yeah, all the houses yeah, have that It's all that same aesthetic. fucking establishing shot yeah. for now spanning 40 years or whatever. It and, like, people would, like, paint their door different colors to, like, you know, distract from that fact, which is, like, fair or whatever. So he bought the house to, like, I don't know, give back to the fans or something. I don't fucking know. Anyways, I want this two like, houses. This the full house house and where Sharon Tate was brutally murdered <laughs> by Charlie Manson. <laughs> So I created real, just one of the guys. He's like, I just want to make sure that my real estate holdings are as impossible to move as possible. <laughs> like, yeah, I want to make it so that this house takes fucking years to move and only a weirdo buys it. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the fucking Jim Davis house from I think you should leave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Jeff Franklin, uh, total fucking creep. He got kicked off the show eventually. But I, I don't want to, you know, sit here and... and uh, and theorize into it but uh his the but he was the creator sexu- of the first one too so maybe i don't know uh, maybe Why? His, his sexualizing of the set uh helped create the environment where you know the, the so much of the show is full of dirty jokes well here's the other weird thing so again it's not like um full house it just didn't like i think one time they had uh an episode of like um like stephanie's friend at school is being beaten by his father right and like that is you know pretty serious also kind of of the ilk of like very special episodes which we may talk about next christmas uh in a different capacity of the of the era but like it didn't really like address too much that was like uh don't lie tell the truth like yeah there is grief your mom's dead or you know, a, a lot of kid lessons for the most part, or like lessons of like how you could be a better parent to your kids or a better role model or, or something like that. Um, so I'm not saying like if there was an episode of Full House, which I, there isn't like that addressed, like, I don't know, gay issues, um, we would be looking back and going, oh, good job, Full House. You handled that tactfully because they probably wouldn't have, but they just didn't do any of that stuff, which is its own thing. But Regardless, the reason I'm bringing this up is that so 
Obviously, Full House ended in 1994. Obviously, obviously. As your posters say that, that span every season, you have all one through eight season posters. The last one was produced, as you, as you all know, in 1994. I'm just going to say this part now. Somehow Fuller House, besides all the weird, like, misogynistic and sexist and, like, way too racy stuff, which definitely exists, it also has one of the worst fucking... It's a it's a racist joke that becomes a homophobic joke uh, in Fuller House. It somehow is... Fuller House is, like, more regressive uh, than... Its predecessor, even though the first episode of Fuller House premiered in 2016. Do you know what joke I'm talking about? It's insane that this made it to air in, like, 2017. Are you you talking about the bunny rabbit joke? Yeah, I'm talking about... So, first of all, new comment in Fuller House has a... Clearly a, like, black accent done by a white guy, which is weird. Very weird. It, it, yeah, then, that's something you expect. And you're like watching an old sitcom from the '80s, and you're like, "Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah." You're like, "No, no, no, don't do that." So then there's a bunny rabbit who has a Asian accent done by a white guy. He, you are hearing Comet Comet Junior's thoughts in this offensive accent, and he decides he's in love with this bunny rabbit. And then the ending joke of the episode that that they get for Christmas is. Uh, the, the bunny rabbit, I'm not going to do the voice, going, I hope he knows I'm a guy. <laughs> so, first of all, it's the idea that it's fine that he wants to, f- the, the dog wants to fuck a girl bunny, but if it's a boy bunny, whoa, <laughs> he is going to be pretty embarrassed. So, it's a weird joke that is fine with interspecies fucking, but not same-sex interspecies fucking. Again, speaks to what the fuck Fuller House are you doing making fucking jokes to begin with, let alone like racist and homophobic ones. And that's like after a whole episode that's just incredibly horny. There's a scene of uh, uh, Steve making out with his new wife on the couch. Oh, that, that girlfriend. Not, it's not Because even... Steve and DJ are together by like, that's not his wife. Sure, his partner or whatever. Nothing matters. Isn't isn't the isn't the daughter from that wife? Yeah, the daughter. Yes, the daughter's from the from the from the woman. Yeah, the woman. Uh, but that's his. He's he's the step dad wannabe boyfriend. Got it. Okay, understood. Um, I didn't understand. I, oh yeah, so that's something we should we should pause here. Uh, I I watched a few episodes from season one. Uh, back in 2016, and was so disgusted that I like promptly uh, thumbs down the show and 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 forgot it existed as fast as possible. Right. So I don't actually yeah, I didn't know go past any of the character dyna- dynamics, which is so very I looked weird. up a little bit because like it took me until halfway through the second Fuller House episode to realize that um. Stephanie's boyfriend, who is in the first one we watched, is Gibbler's is brother. Kimmy's, is Kimmy's brother? Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, so he's just uh, Steve's making and who, out, and with he's his... and he's playing Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, like, let's be <laughs> it's it's uh it's it's, it's uh it's he looks something. like Ashton Kutcher. He is playing also Ashton Kutcher on that set because Ashton Kutcher was too busy making the ranch, uh, probably three doors down from where they shot this show. Steve's just making out with his girlfriend on the couch. And uh, there's not even like a joke. It's just the audience, the audience uh, hoots and hollers for it. And then the show just moves on. Um, 
Yeah. It's, so, like, the horniness was sipped back a probably, little bit. Probably they cut out, like, fuck her, Steve. Fuck her, Steve. <laughs> no, no, no. Let us watch. It reminds me of one of the funniest Twitter jokes I saw about Fuller House. Like, the porn parody for Fuller House and the normal Fuller House is the exact same, except Fuller House has just edited out the graphic sex. <laughs> it's true. It's overlit. It's gaudy. It's... it's it's uh cheap bad looking. bad acting. It's tawdry. There's almost yeah. no uh narrative reason for people to start making out or talking about fucking. Uh it's just that Fuller House doesn't technically have fucking in it. Like even the kids, right? Like that first Fuller House episode is about their 9-year-old son falling desperately in love with the 9-year-old daughter that steve's new girlfriend has and it's not cute it's aggressive it's aggressive and like i mean this is such a weird thing to praise it for like at least it's uh reciprocal like they both are in love with each other but it's like obsessive and weird and the parents are like great he's got a girlfriend now it's like he's fucking not they're nine they don't have a girlfriend now. <laughs> it's weirdly intimate. Like, he's he's putting a necklace around her neck and there's no joke. It's just, like, a really... The necklace that the dead dad gave to his mom. And then they're doing their... their both their favorite movies are Titanic. And they're doing, like, holding each other doing I'm the King of the World. What the fuck, Fuller House? Yeah, these are, like... And these are, whatever. Nine-year-olds. The nine? No, okay, nine. whatever. Just children. At least uh, Ramona and the oldest son. Ramona is uh, Kimmy's daughter. And Kimmy is single. They're divorced in the first season and clearly got back with her ex-husband at some point. Because they're like, all right, we can't have everyone going out to the club and banging random dudes every night. Like, let's let someone settle down. And then I guess they did the same thing with Stephanie. Like, they just, But she's fucking Kimmy's brother now. I mean, it is funnier for, in terms of contrast, to have Kimmy be in a dedicated relationship with, like, a hunky, a hunky Latin lover that um, loves her for her weirdness. Like, that is, like, a better comic instinct than to have, like, uh, Kimmy to have been abandoned. <laughs> like, yeah. Because, like, sure. Everyone's like, abandoned. Yes, yeah. Kimmy is fucking yeah. annoying. But, like... The, the idea that someone loves the weirdo, I think, is a better comic instinct for a sitcom like this. Well, and they kind of, I mean, and then they pair off Stephanie so, clearly somewhere because uh, he's professing his love to Stephanie, I think, in the second season episode. So they probably started dating somewhere at the beginning of that season. But yeah, it is also like super dark that in one of these episodes that we watched, Stephanie reveals that the reason why she hasn't settled down and leaves relationships so quickly is because she uh <laughs> because when her mom died she decided that nothing was permanent and dj's like yeah when you were a kid you just locked yourself in the room and didn't talk to anyone for a few months which presumably happened before we started watching full house like we knew what she was like when she was six because that was the first season of full house so before the cameras roll on the pilot of full house Little, adorable, six-year-old Stephanie Tanner locked herself in the room and didn't talk to anyone for months. So that's now part of Full House canon. That, I don't know, maybe she got life back into her when Jesse and Joey showed up and started just being the kid that we saw. Yeah, it's it's just it's nice to know. It's so dark. It's just nice Why to know Why is the show so dark? Deep 
dark abyss of suffering that Stephanie Tanner had to go through. Like, that's could, the thing Could about the form show. real relationships because her mom... Like, and again, it's not that... I feel so bad, like, saying all this stuff because it's not like I'm laughing at the concept of dealing with trauma... Uh, of a mom dying when you're six, a parent dying when you're six years old, or the idea of like that. Ha ha! It's a show where there's this person who doesn't want to settle down, instead just wants to casually date people. All of that is fine. I want to be very clear. I am not uh, demonizing the concepts of any of these. It's just the execution and the format and the tar. It's so everything is so poorly done. And it doesn't make any goddamn sense why they're doing this with Full House. Uh, yeah, it, why this property, right? And why wouldn't they just come back and do something super, like, super sweet and innocent and try and, like, both reintroduce it to a new audience, but also the folks that are watching this for nostalgia don't ultimately care about whether or not the show speaks to them now, right? Because the folks that are, like, dying for a nostalgia trip are re-watching the old stuff. It's that that show never grew up, so to speak. Even though the show is, for some reason, Fuller House feels way less mature than Full House. Um, even though it's yeah, tackling it far more mature topics. Well, it's just tackling them wrong. I can appreciate that bad sitcoms exist, and sometimes you know even the ones we make fun of like can get a few chuckles out of me. Yeah. Um, the problem with when I was watching Fuller House is like I I was genuinely trying to soak in the Christmas magic of it, and this is also true of Full House. We'll get to it, but I was trying to soak in the Christmas magic of both these shows, and I was just butting up against a wall every time because it, the joke would either be like. Uh, offensive to like normal sensibilities or it was just an obnoxious overcooked thing that just like kind of landed fucking flat on the plate and so yeah i don't i don't i don't I, I'm, I'm saying i'm not a i'm not a fucking uh not a fucking snob to, that doesn't understand the appeal of sitcoms that are just joke machines the problem is that fuller house doesn't know how to deliver even jokes that rile even jokes that i'm like okay that's a good punchline that's pretty offensive, but at least, like, that has the appearance of, of good comic sensibility. Well, and also, candidly, like, the other big problem is that it's missing the good actors who know how to deliver jokes. Like, the like John Stamos is by far, as again, my credentials of having watched all 180 episodes, he is a good actor who can deliver punchlines at least at the sitcom level right like i'm not saying he's he should be in major motion pictures starring uh opposite uh harvey keitel and robert de niro and joe pesci in old age cgi but uh or i guess young age cgi probably i don't think they olded him up but i haven't seen it yet <laughs> yeah um, they, they gave him the Irish they feel like they're approach. plenty old yeah but like he he's a good sitcom actor and he knows how to deliver punchlines Bob Saget, I actually think, is t a terrible sitcom actor. Um, He's had bad but, comic sensibilities for 40 years, so. Yeah. But, like, um, even, like, Aunt Becky is a good sitcom actor, knows how to deliver punchlines. Like, Dave Coulet knows how to deliver. Like, he, like these are people that can, can do well. Like, Stephanie Tanner, DJ Tanner were child actors that were, like, cute and could memorize lines and were probably fine working 16-hour days while the union looked the other way. Right, some of them are better actors than others. Uh, Jody Sweeten specifically is a terrible actress, and I, I'm, I'm not saying that to be mean, but like she wasn't all that good of a child actress either, and is a, bad as an adult. 
Uh, I think the the new child actors they have on that show are terrible. So it's like even even a bad joke delivered well in a sitcom can keep you amused. And I think Full House has a lot of that. Fuller House is just this void of just like charismatic performers, people who can deliver a, even a bad punchline, like unnecessary raunch and weird like uh, misogyny and homophobia. And it's like, who is this for? It's depressing. And I think we should transition to the episodes because we've been talking for an hour and that doesn't surprise me. I think probably when people were like, they're going to do some Full House episodes, it's probably going to be super goofy like North Pole, uh, which was a super goofy episode. But what uh, people are, as they're probably tuning out, have realized is that the reason we decided to talk about Full House is that we have a lot to say about Full House. It, it has haunted us. It, it follows us, us everywhere we go, and we need to find a way to exercise this demon yeah. from us. But, yeah, I apologize if you thought this was going to be super jokey, and hopefully it's still somewhat amusing to listen to. But, like, it is a weird thing that I just, like, I'm legitimately angry about Fuller House in a way that doesn't make sense for a show I could take or leave. Like, it's not like I'm like, they ruined Full House. They didn't ruin Full House. So it's such a cynical show in a way that I think Full House wasn't, even if Full House wasn't good. Yeah, I think I think uh, last year, uh, Ethan Warren said something that I, I really liked, which is that um, schmaltz is in its own way a form of cynicism. Um, yeah. Because you're trying to uh, take advantage of people's sentimentality. And I, I agree with that with Fuller House. I, I feel like you're taking they're, they're taking advantage of people's sentimentality in a way that I find uh, kind of kind of gross. Um, and, and yeah, you know, barring all the the social ways in which the show fails, um, yeah, it, it also just fails as like a it, it it feels like it didn't understand the sweetness of the original show. And even when the original show was super cynical, uh, it doesn't understand basic joke delivery. Um, and getting rid of, you're right, getting rid of um, the, the, the uh, everyone in the cast who had, uh, was a trained actor, basically, and replacing them with the people who were, you know, children the last time they acted seriously, uh, or people that are new to the show but don't really have a whole lot of comic sensibility, uh, yeah. is uh, an incredibly strange, cynical approach to media. And... and we need to talk about something right before we go over to the break. Let's talk about something. That's- well, actually, I want to pause you right there. Like, it is important to note that John Stamos, Dave Coulet, Bob Saget, all these people were cast because they were good for the roles. Yes. Right? They were cast for to be on Full House for these roles. They had to audition. Almost everyone in the Fuller House cast, uh, minus the new children and like the new romantic interests, um, are there because they were on another show when they were cast as children. So, like, by definite, there's, a, like, there is a reason, as mean as the sounds, that, like, Jody Sweeten, Andrea Barber, and Candace Cameron Burr have not headlined other sitcoms post-Full House or really been in anything save for the occasional, like, reality show or Lifetime movie. Like, on their merits, they haven't been successful in getting work. So when you're populating a show with people that just were good child actors but aren't good adult actors, it it is devoid of something that w- wasn't devoid in Full House because they cast people 
for those roles specifically because they would be good in them, not because they they needed to cast those people in those roles. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, one last thing before we cut over to the actual episodes. Um, Fuller House was able to bring back uh, most of the original cast. Uh, they even bring back, you know, Steve. Uh, but there's they one... also brought back the twins, which is very strange. Like those, they have them on the like the first or second episode, uh, and uh, Nikki and I forget what the other twins name was, Jesse and Rebecca's kids. And I'm like, oh, there's no way those are the same people that played them as children, and they absolutely are as like babies. Yeah, and it's really it's really odd. So, anyways, uh, the biggest the biggest uh, elephant in the room, or elephant that's not in the room, everyone's talking about the lack of an elephant in the room, uh, are, are the Olsen twins. The It's so funny whenever you read an article about this, this show, because it shows you how fucked up our sense of nostalgia is, that every article, the IMDb trivia, all of that is all written from the perspective of these ungrateful little twerps. Didn't want to fucking come back on Full House. and do- They're all written from this perspective. Yeah. They're like, you know, maybe if you had just fucking, you know, pulled up your pants and bit your lip, just been on Fuller House, like in the show. Yeah, the show oh, runners, the billionaires who don't need money aren't coming back. How dare you? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. The the uh, the two the two women who decided that they didn't want to act anymore and then started their own career in fashion in New York decided that they didn't want to blow. I don't know. Twenty weeks. Uh, twenty weeks a year for the next five plus years on this stupid fucking sitcom like oh i'm sorry i'm sorry that these that they didn't want to they didn't want to devote their lives to the sinking fucking ship how would they how and how were they supposed to know it was bad except for from reading the script like even for a cameo it's like who cares why they don't need to be in it what are they going to add um it's only going to be extra sadder um especially because i think in the pilot script when they thought they were going to be on the show uh, there was like a five minute monologue about how much they missed Heath Ledger, and that felt a little. <laughs> I don't know if that's getting cut out, but um, <laughs> the thing, the joke I said. Well, uh, that dead bird just landed right in my lap, and I guess, <laughs> guess I gotta pick it up. <laughs> it would be funny if they paid Elizabeth Olsen to come in and okay. do. Yes, yes, they offered the role to Elizabeth Olsen. <laughs> They really did that? They offered the role to Elizabeth Olsen. And there's now talk that maybe in the, you know, uh, unpremiered fifth season, they might have they might have recast uh, Michelle. Oh, interesting. So, well, yeah, well, they should just do that because who the fuck cares? But I actually read <laughs> Maybe that, they'll yeah. get an actually talented person in the role. Uh, like, you're done. Like, we're done with Fuller House, right? Like, after after the final fifth season. 30 years from now, we're all going to be dealing with climate change too much to have a fullest house. <laughs> so, um, like, the fullest house is whatever has uh, a dry basement. <laughs> um, yeah, the Gibblers are like uh, gill-breathing gill mutants that uh, rise up and the family has to has to fight off these Gibblers as they try and steal their, <laughs> their boat fuel or whatever. So, so yeah, it's it's fine, but guess what I did here, which now, of course, we should figure out a way to do whatever episode this is. I did hear that Mary-Kate Nashley Olsen, they confirmed, not coming back from the fifth season. No shock. 
You know who is confirmed to guest star in the fifth season, Peter? Yeah, who? Was not on Full House, but has a connection to one of the characters. It's a connection to one of the characters. Mm-hmm. Are they going to bring out Comet's corpse? Did they dig <laughs> it up? Oh, no. <laughs> Airbud's back. <laughs> oh, no, you said wasn't on the original show because Comet's corpse was on the show. Yeah, um, I mean, with skin and everything else. But fun fact, Peter, which I'm sure you know, all of us are just pre- in our pre-skeleton corpse form. <laughs> uh yeah okay so uh no i have no idea who who are they bringing in kirk cameron oh no candace cameron's real life brother who we've covered on our uh, the only two episodes of and probably the only two episodes that will ever be of our spinoff podcast pod's not dead uh where we talk quite a lot, I think, in one of the episodes about, like, one of the sitcoms that I was obsessed with was Growing Pains. Because, um, in the same reason I really like Say by the Bell, uh, Zach Morris and Mike Seaver were, like, the epitome of a cool person when I was eight. I don't know if he's playing Mike Seaver. I don't know who he's playing. But he's going to be on the fifth season of Fuller House. And I think we got to do a speciepi on... Whatever that episode ends up being. That is like, that is our Crisis on Infinite Earth. <laughs> it's where it all comes together, baby. He's probably going to be like, hey, I watched the first sort of seasons. Were people having sex? Because, nope. I won't even kiss another actress. God. He's like, but I, I had my, my wife's mouth CGI. Yeah, I'll kiss my sister. Yeah, yeah I'm way. Kirk Cameron. Of course I'll kiss my sister. Do I have to pull out the banana? <laughs> so, so specific. No one's going to get it. Uh, yeah, holy shit. We've been talking for an hour and 15 minutes. Not about these Christmas-themed episodes. You guys, we're exercising demons. Thank you for staying with us. It's going to be the first four-hour episode of, of We Love to Watch on five Full House Christmas episodes. Peter, do you want to talk even more about full house and the meaning of christmas i do i do but can we can i can i just can i sure. say one thing i told you first five hour episode of we love can i say one thing Sorry. everyone's like looking at their phones down. right now everyone's like looking at their phones right now i was like is this really a five hour episode i wrote this down and i forgot i want to talk about it right now before i get into it i'm just gonna read this line i read this i read this either on imdb or in uh or in an article and i need to i need to get it off okay. my chest yeah. Mary-Kate Olsen got married during the production of first season. None of the Olsen twins' full house castmates were invited to the wedding. <laughs> I don't feel like they're close. I think the rest of them bonded. And they're, like, just not interested. Why would you want to hang out with them? Why? Why? I also like the only reason to write that sentence is that you have the expectation that this is a real family. Yeah, like, oh my gosh, Michelle didn't invite DJ or Stephanie? Like, how like, diseased I understand are- Kimmy... I understand Kimmy not being invited to the wedding, but they cut out Stephanie and TJ from from Michelle's wedding. I like I it's it's this diseased view of nostalgia where people genuinely think their their weird it's, fucked it, up thing from not, the eighties is real. It's not even nostalgia. Like 
how many times did the Friends cast have to have to say they were also friends in real life? <laughs> like people are like, I want the TV to be real. That's what people want. They want the TV. What, what I see on TV is real. It's how Fox News has its entire viewership. It's why our country's so broken. Anyways, do you want to talk about one little speck that broke our country? Full House and Fuller House for our fullest housed episode. Absolutely. recognize the irony here that uh, there's a good chance that we're gonna have to severely cut down the amount of full house full house talk we did in our full house episode <laughs> like the reason we're doing this episode is because we keep talking about all this stuff but we're an hour and a half in and uh and all we right, haven't we got to the fucking christmas episodes we talked about a lot. We talked about, like, our moral outrage at the, at the show, as it exists now, uh, that Danny Tanner's always been bad. Uh, anyways, let's just get into it. Uh, I can recap the first episode. So their first Christmas episode, because that's what this is about. Christmas. Merry Christmas. This is our Christmas episode. It's called Our Very First Tanner Christmas. Takes place in season two. So Becky's in the picture... All the kids are walking. Uh, They're going to Colorado for uh, to celebrate Christmas there for a for kind of a recurring bit that um, uh, Danny's trying to uh, to write off his vacation by taking a video camera and filming it for Wake Up San Francisco. P.S. My dad always brought his video camera for his television show that he had in in tandem with his radio show called Country Morning. it would just show our vacation videos. So I don't know if he also got a tax write-off, but that was very funny to me. Uh, so they're off to Colorado where there's going to be snow. And because it doesn't snow in San Francisco. And guess what? You're never going to believe it. Not only does the plane not able to take off because a freak blizzard hit San Francisco. But Becky is on the plane making a connection in Colorado to go visit her family in Nebraska. And the blizzard's so bad that when they get off the plane... They have to just stay in the airport. They can't get anywhere else. And also the airport, the San Francisco International Airport, is like smaller than the Bismarck, North Dakota airport that I've been in. It's just one room and a carousel. But things were different in 1988, I imagine. So they're here and it's just a disaster because they they don't get to have Christmas. Um, DJ wants, everyone wants the presents. The present bag got lost. Oh, woe is me. No presents for anyone. But they, you know, Jesse's like, this is bullshit. The true meaning of Christmas is 
forcing strangers in an airport to sing Christmas carols and also a mistletoe gag. Finally getting Becky to kiss her because they were on and off again for like this whole second season. So Danny also Don't ends forget up the going, Jesse's parents want their uh, – Jesse's parents are there and want their, oh, right. their good boy to fuck. Mm-hmm. They said, why won't our good boy fuck? Jesse, fuck, make babies. And so they're really like uh, – Jesse's parents are, are very misogynistic. And they're like, you need a good woman. That's a good woman. Go fuck her forever. Um, which, I mean, long term, even though he pushes back in the moment, long term, he does. Uh, fucks her forever, as far as we know. Um, I mean, she might die in the Fuller House finale, leading well, to, yeah, leading look, to the, a fullest house that you promised. Fullest house. That's yeah, about Nikki, Jesse. This is Jesse raising his two 30-year-old surfer dude sons that we see. Um <laughs> Will he be able to? How can one single father raise two 30 year old surfer sons? Kids, get a job. You're going back to work at the exterminator like I did through the second season till we wrote off my mom and dad as recurring characters and they never came back. So, anyway, so they're, uh, they, the pre- presents are gone. They rediscover the true meaning of Christmas. And this is where it gets a little weird. This is where, like, the 80ness of the sitcom really plays out. So, uh, Joey had dressed up like Santa to try to get Stephanie excited. And she's like, bullshit, you're, you guys aren't Santa. Michelle calls him out on it. And Stephanie's like, oh, yeah, my one-year-old sister knows Joey. I'm an idiot. But then there's another Santa at the end of the episode. And Stephanie's like, great, another fake Santa. Thanks, Joey. Pulls on the beard. Beard doesn't come off. And then he magically disappears in front of everyone at a blizzard that you can't get out of. And then the presents appear. So just to be clear... It's not referenced in any of the other Christmas episodes, but the Tanner family has definitive proof that Santa Claus exists and there's magic in the universe. So it feels like a big, big thing probably should have affected literally every other episode. Uh, Like that's all they should be like crazy Fox Mulder like conspiracy (laughs) theorists living in a basement like with the truth is out truth is out there with Santa's sleigh a blurry photograph of Santa's sleigh uh, on it but they don't and they never mention it again that would be a better fuller house right like DJ's like my dad lost his fucking mind because he was so sure Santa Claus was real and so I've had to raise these children and try to keep them away of their my crazy dad. Uh, <laughs> like, that's a show I can get behind for a follow-up. Now this, I can deal with. Yeah, this was fine. I mean, this, which part? The, the episode? Oh, no. Or the fact that Santa's for, real? Your oh. pitch for a new full full house. Yeah. I mean, this feels very typical 80s Christmas story. It kind of fits the, what I think is interesting about the three full house episodes is they all kind of fit um, a, stero- uh, uh, uh archetype of a Christmas episode. So this is the teaching, uh, you know, the Christmas is ruined. They're not going to have presents. They're not going to have their trip. How do they enjoy Christmas without materialism? They handle it by uh, remembering the true meaning of Christmas. I don't know about you, Peter, but I kind of already mentioned it. Can you imagine being stuck in the airport with these people and they aren't your family (laughs) and they're fucking like hey my kids are crying because there's no christmas you sing deck the halls (laughs) like not only do you not get to be with your family but you have to become part of the the emotional coddling of another family 
It's also weird that they, it's a full airport, like a full flight. So like, you know, 50, 60 extras. They're the only kids. Like, it's Christmas Eve. They're flying to Denver. There's not one other fucking kid on this flight. Was Danny Tanner going to a swingers week? Like some sort of weird, like, everyone gets together. It's a key party. They're back in Denver only. It's a key and party in the sky. It's Christmas fucking. And that's why everyone else is like, obviously, this is like uh, the charter plane that the fuck conference organized. So there's no other kids on it. But, like, Danny's like, what am I going to do? My best friend, my, my brother-in-law, they're also going to the fucking conference. <laughs> so everyone's coming. Even my even my, uh, my father and mom-in-law. And I mean everyone's coming. Everyone's going to be coming except them. Hopefully they got daycare. <laughs> uh, excuse me, excuse me. Um, does your fuck conference have, uh, like, a nursery or something? Is it, like, accredited? Like, what do they teach them? Like, Spanish? <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, ideally, when I am plowing and being plowed by literally hundreds of strangers, if my kids could be learning at least another language, I feel like that'd be helpful for them. You know, we speaking of plowing, we could have done all of the Simpsons Christmas episodes. They do one every year, though, unlike Full House, who, like, occasionally gets around to it. Yeah, they did. They did five episodes, and in the course of 12 30 years. years. Well, 30 years. Hmm? Well, technically 30 years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, sorry. 12 active there was, years. There was they a 23-year like pause between <laughs> episode three and four. They went, but... <laughs> they went dormant like some sort of, like, uh, mountain militia. Yeah, and if you were only excited for Fuller House coming back, so that there would be a, a finally a follow up to their Christmas episodes. They made you wait until season two before you, they fucking threw up a tree. Do you think in uh, Fuller House too? Do you think Full House went dormant because um and they had to go away for a little bit because because uh, one of their members killed a cop? Uh yeah, sure. And they had to disappear for a little bit until the heat cooled down. One thing again, speaking of sometimes Full House like doesn't follow into the worst sexist tropes that you would expect. Uh, from a sitcom in the 80s. So, Becky is clear. I don't know if we should date. I don't know if this is going to work out. And Jesse, like, listens to what she says. And then they're under a mistletoe. And I thought they were going to do the shitty thing where it's like, he's going in for the kiss, because that's what his mom and dad have been like. Just fucking kiss her! She said no. No doesn't mean no. That sucks. But instead he's like, hey, we're under the mistletoe. It is a tradition. Would you like to kiss? And she's like, yes, I would like to kiss. And that was that was legitimately surprising to me. I thought he was going to like, all women who say no just need a mistletoe in the right moment for you to forget about consent. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is the mistletoe thing? Like, like, okay, I get it if like, I get it if like, um, we should know you're two a- episodes spanning 25 years have a mistletoe hat. That a character wears. Forty percent <laughs> of the episodes feature a character putting on a hat with a mistletoe hanging over to get kisses from as many people as possible. I believe both of those people are Kimmy Gibbler. <laughs> mistletoe is so fucking creepy. <laughs> yeah, but like, weren't you a little bit like surprised that like 
He didn't just like, you're under a mistletoe, it's kissing time. It was the ideal situation for mistletoe, which is like, hey, I, uh, we're both into each other. I just need an I, But excuse- I also recognize I, I you said a, no. I a way to transition into the conversation of asking you for consent. Actually, because I, I think I'm going to forget it at some point. This also, this episode, like all Full House episodes, starts with the Full House theme song. The opening line is that um, whatever happened to predictability, the milkman, the paperboy, evening TV, uh, all those things were fine in 1987. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is extremely Reagan core of the show to be like, <laughs> be like whatever happened to the paperboy, it's like, uh, actually, papers are flourishing. <laughs> like, there's no internet. The paperboy, com- whatever happened to to Tony, he comes to the door every day to deliver the paper. What are you talking about? Evening TV, that's all people watch. <laughs> I love that they're nostalgia for TV. <laughs> One could... <laughs> Do you remember when the family got around, read the paper, drank the milk, and watched TV? <laughs> oh, you know, those were the days. Any year after 1948. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no one has TVs anymore. 1987. Everyone's on their tablets. <laughs> what? Uh, it's fun. It, it's the only theme song that got more relevant. Yeah, <laughs> I can only assume that when they ask whatever happened to the milkman, the paperboy, the evening TV, there's a series of crimes happening in their neighborhood. <laughs> in, the, in the summer of 1967, the Zodiac Killer was loose on the streets of San Francisco, <laughs> and unfortunately, the Tanner's paperboy. And Milkman uh, were among its victims. <laughs> uh, I have noticed that the residents of San Francisco are not wearing the buttons that I requested. <laughs> I have also stolen quite a few TVs from people's house. They may be wondering, where's my TV to gather around with the family? How? But their dad signed the Zodiac. P.S. How rude. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah this, the theme song also struck me as like like all right buddy we get it like you're a big fan of reagan like it's it's very it's morning in america right yeah but it is weird that like this call for nostalgia theme song actually makes a ton of sense in the 2016 version Oh, because now it's like, yeah, what happened to all those things? But in 1987, those things were fine. And you know, Carly Rae Jepsen wrote the the old new theme song, right? Oh no, which is the only cool the only cool thing about the new show. I mean, her entire aesthetic, which I love, is like, what if the 80s never stopped? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's yeah, like so. the good version, not the, yeah, uh, what she's, if she's, I, she's... I cloyingly dragged every last ounce of nostalgia out of you? So the next one, flash forward four fucking years. What the, like, you got to produce 26 of this saccharine nonsense episodes, and they're all like 25 minute episodes. Why wouldn't you do the easy thing of doing some Christmas smulch every year? But no, they're like, no, we're doing it hard. We're going four years. Then season six, the writers are out of ideas. And they're like, fine, 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 fine. And they do a very Tanner Christmas. Um, and the cast has changed. People are older. Steve is a regular cast member. DJ's long-term boyfriend, voice of Aladdin, uh, who uh, apparently probably will get married at the season finale of... <laughs> Of Fuller House. So, yeah. Uh, uh, stay in touch with your high school boyfriend. 
it, it's yeah the show the show is it's gonna uh, take a it's gonna take a fucking husband dying in a fire because he was a firefighter that died in fuller house but you'll get that girl <laughs> maybe light some fires just to make sure okay. california burns very easily do you think that steve was lighting the forest fighters trying to eventually kill dj's husband yes or no yeah he was clearing the slate he only he only dated uh that that one woman because he trying to make uh trying to make dj jealous yeah he's like well the fire didn't work out right <laughs> now i guess no i guess i gotta lead on this single parent wait hold on in the reboot is steve the zodiac killer yeah <laughs> he just didn't age but yeah, wait, can we pause there real quickly? So we talked about the cast chase changing slightly um, and the cast growing. And we also talked about earlier one of the uh, most surreal things about watching all the Christmas episodes in this manner over Full House and Fuller House is is how watching these people just grow incrementally um, in, in big, big jumps and one of the weirdest things is for this is that Steph, who was the cute, you know, cute, whatever, five or six year old in the last episode. Um, so full on cute kid mode, right? How rude, the whole yeah. deal. Um, Steph has now been pushed into like the middle child thing, like where yep. she's, she's more of a she's more of like a dramatic thing. She's she doesn't have the like. Uh, grown-up teen problems of uh, of DJ, but she also doesn't yeah. have the cute kid problems. Of they re- they really they really did not know what to do with her once. Like, because it's funny because like Stephanie was the Michelle role, right? Like the 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 cute kid who says goofy things that adults are like kids say the darndest thing, and then because Michelle could barely Mich- talk, yeah, because Michelle literally was a baby. And then Michelle aged into that role. DJ had, like, the oldest sister, like, a lot more of the adult conversations with her dad about growing up and growing up without a mom and, like, especially as she, like, entered junior high. So, like, all of those plot threads were taken for Stephanie. Um, If I remember correctly, a lot of Stephanie was, like, she had, like, ran in with the bad kids and, and some of that other stuff, which I guess in retrospect is remarkably consistent with what they decided to continue doing with her with Fuller House. But And um, also in real life, she had a lot of problems yeah. with substances, and I think she had some some bad relationships that weren't very healthy, and, and, I, and they hint at that in Fuller House, that she had some rough years. They, they say that she <laughs> there's an episode where they reference her sitting on Russell Brand's lap. So, yeah, and also, so, so not only is there... So really, there's there's not just Steve. There's also Vicky, Vicky who was engaged to Danny, and they eventually so for like two years, uh, a serious girlfriend got engaged, and then she moved to New York to because she got a job there. She was Becky's temporary replacement while Becky was on maternity leave after having their kids. What was weird though, like as a kid, like you don't have TiVo, so sometimes you miss episodes. So. I saw her get engaged at a big Disney World special, and then she was never on the show again, from my perspective <laughs> as a kid. And it was like, what the fuck? Like, what happened to Vicky? As I rewatched them all with my daughter, they have an episode where she has to break it off because she got a job in New York. I mean, if people aren't, like, begging for a character to come back, and, like, the character is just supposed to be sort of like a, you know, a, a, a stopgap 
Why not get rid of, like, I understand why producers would be like, okay, well, this character doesn't really need to stick around. We can ship her off to New York, and that will be, like, a little bit of drama for a season end or whatever. Like, you can have the engagement, but, like, we don't want to deal with Danny getting married. Nah. <laughs> like, just, right, just get rid of her. Steve, are you here? Can you get rid of Vicky? <laughs> <laughs> I will solve your Vicky problem. I can also solve your Becky problem. No, no, Steve, just just the Vicky one. Too late. <laughs> I've sent some very incriminating documents to a to an agent in Baltimore. <laughs> Have you noticed that this house has a basement? Uh, I thought I thought you were gonna kill Becky. Not uh, make sure that she might go some light jail time for for helping her daughter go to college illegally. I, I've I've mellowed in my old age, but don't worry, she still won't show up in season five. <laughs> the ultimate punishment. As I graduate from recurring guest star to main cast member. <laughs> Steve, Steve has spoken. I don't know if you noticed, but I got plugs. Hey, also, I have to say one more thing. That actor who was in the new Aladdin movie, he's fucking dead. (laughs) (laughs) I I played Aladdin in Aladdin. Aladdin Return of Jafar. Aladdin and the Prince of Thieves. The television show. Now there's just a new Aladdin? Unacceptable. <laughs> uh, the boys are back in town. Starts playing as he like picks up like an old pencil case and pulls out a hood. <laughs> the boys are back in town. <laughs> there you see are, if you if you stayed girl. through our pontificating, you got through to us talking about Steve being the Zodiac killer. <laughs> I think your Christmas is made. So uh, so Stephanie gets double usurped because not only has Michelle blossomed into the. Into the uh, the quip machine that she would was destined to become, but now there's the twins. So there's two there's there's two cutesy little kids to replace her. So she's been middle middle child twice. Yeah, and that's why too. Like even in like season seven and eight, when the twins become the Michelle role, like they don't know what to do with Michelle either, because it's like, well, now we've done all these storylines with DJ and Stephanie. Like Stephanie got all the leftovers. Now Michelle's, like, in third or fourth grade? Like, we don't know what she... And she's not... She can't just keep saying, you got it, dude. They kept trying to introduce more cute kids. Um, and but Stephanie I don't feel just like, keeps I don't making feel like... the same joke the whole fucking episode. Like, they don't know what to do with her, so they just have her repeat, like, broken records. So she just keeps making the same non-joke, which is, like, man, I'd love presents. Like, it's... It's, um... It's not cute because, like, it's not a cute kid thing. It's not It's not Jodie Sweetin's fault. I mean, she's not a good actor. No. It's not Jodie Sweetin's fault. They give her nothing to work with. So it's just like, for this, so for this episode, for 20 minutes, if anybody asks how you feel, you're going to reply with, I love presents. Can you do that for me? I love presents. Yep. And, and it's a show about, like, they have a party at their house. Um, and then yeah, because like, mix up with how many Santas. Steve is going to go to college in Florida. That's right. In Florida, and so, yeah, Kimmy and DJ invite a bunch of friends over because they break up because Steve really is the dumbest person alive. Uh, although, tell that to my victims. <laughs> um, <laughs> the San Francisco Chronicle found me quite intelligent. I am an enigma, but not DJ. Uh, but, uh, yeah, because DJ's he's like, well, I'm going to Florida. And she's like, oh, like, oh, that far away from me? Yeah, it's going to be great. And then, like, gets her a present. So they kind of throw this party. Meanwhile, 
there's the mix up about who's going to be Santa because Joey can't find a Santa costume and then uh, and Vicky's not around and Danny misses her. And so Becky's uh, sad that she doesn't get to experience a Nebraska snowy winter and Stephanie and Michelle keep talking about toy. So those are all the different plot A, B, C, D, E plot threads. And essentially what happens is that DJ and Steve finally talk and Steve's like, you know what? I'm going to go to community college, get my grades up, go to a better school closer to you. Vicky shows up in a Santa costume and kisses Danny. Uh, and Danny is, is again, a little more accepting than you would expect. Like, he doesn't do a gay panic joke. But anyways, it's like, oh, it's Vicky. Vicky came. DJ confesses how much she screwed up with Steve to who, he, who she thinks is Joey, but is actually Steve in a costume. Jesse, his big Christmas surprise is twofold. One, that he hired a company that makes snow cones to fill their um, backyard with snow. So they can have a snowball fight over the, the credits. And last thing, really, really just kind of like plugged in there is that his big surprise for Stephanie and Michelle to teach them the true meaning of Christmas is to take them to a homeless shelter to volunteer. And all of a sudden... This is where, like, Stephanie's bad acting comes out because it is like, and what did you learn, Stephanie? And Stephanie's, like, like reading lines. So, yeah, they volunteer at a homeless shelter uh, and serve food, which is great. But it has all of the, like, thud of, like, a weirdly inserted. They don't even show a scene at the homeless shelter. They don't have time. If the first one was about, like, oh, no, Christmas is ruined... This is the everyone loses sight of the true meaning of Christmas. It's also extremely cloying because they just make uh, Michelle and Stephanie disappear for a little bit. Because they're working at a soup kitchen. Because they're working at a soup kitchen. And they come back and she's like, I saw a homeless person and it made me sad. And then the studio audience goes, ah, that's so fucking cute. Can I tell you my favorite part of this episode? I don't know how long we need to spend on it. Please but do. my favorite part is that there's a huge party at their house. Like, huge. Adults, kids, all this kind of stuff. Jassy's like, I got a huge surprise for everyone. They go out to their very large backyard, I assume, for San Francisco, covered in snow, and they proceed to start playing in the snow. The only people that play in the snow, though, are main or recurring cast members of Full House. All of the other people at the party, which is about 30 people, come out. But they stand lined around the house. Like, they know they are not invited to play in the snow. Like, <laughs> they know where they stand at this party. Even though there's tons of room for them to play in the snow, they know they are not welcome. And they stand, and they smile, and they watch the family play. <laughs> They're like, isn't this a sweet winter Christmas come true? Oh, no, I, I don't have a name, so obviously I'm not playing. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm one of the hunky wrestlers that uh, Kimmy tried to get st uh, the DJ to fuck. Yeah, she almost is trying to get them to fuck, too, because, like, she is like, line up for smooches. <laughs> and, like, and then a bunch of guys, like, line up to kiss DJ, and then DJ's like, I'm not ready to smooch 30 people because I just broke up with my boyfriend 10 minutes ago. And then Kimmy sits down with a mistletoe hat and is like, all right, even though this isn't even my fucking house and they're in the middle of throwing their own Christmas party, let's just one at a time fuck me right here in the middle of the Tanner's living room. Uh, 
Well, so when the show starts to get ho- uh, a little hornier, because... A little horny. A little bit hornier, but, you know, a tasteful But then all the guys are like, ugh, Kimmy. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> like, Kimmy Gibbler is, is uh, very often in the show treated almost like... Uh, <laughs> like Jerry Blank from Strangers with Candy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's just well, a, I guess like strange freak that happens to have certain uses. Well, and that's that is the one thing one of the worst things about Full House and like how it aged is that like so when Kimmy is first on the show and she's there from the first season, she's like 10, 11. Fucking Danny Tanner hates her from the get-go <laughs> and that kind of stays throughout. I mean, I guess she would have been younger, like nine, because she's they're, they're seniors in high school at the end. And he says, like, some very terrible things about her behavior, her appearance, and, like, it would be okay if she stopped. Like, there's a lot of mean energy directed at Kimmy, um, and it's usually, like, the, sh- the harshest jokes in the show are Danny to, like, how much he fucking hates his 10-year-old daughter's best friend. And, like... I was when I was rewatching. I'm like, can you imagine? Like, I can't even imagine. Like, if my daughter had a friend over, and I'm like, oh, eating from the toilet again, kid. <laughs> like, because your whole family's a bunch of pigs. Like, those are basically jokes, almost verbatim, that they say to Kimmy. It'd be like, I would have the police called on me. You can't just be shitty to a kid. <laughs> That's- and why does that kid keep showing up? Why are not half the episodes at Kimmy's house so that DJ can go over there? Because, like, I don't think your dad likes me. Yeah, it's actually, like, super... He said I eat from the toilet that my whole family's pigs. He said He's been talking about my weight and how ugly I am. Like, I'm 10. He said I, I look like we were downwind of a Chernobyl? There's, there is some joke about, like... She'd be lucky to marry, like, some ugly animal, like, at 10 or 11. I was like, holy shit. Like. Like. Sorry. Like, that's a real joke. Like, can you. But, like, again, it's like sitcom. It has, like, the sitcom everything's fine because it's all a big joke and the audience is laughing. That's why sitcoms get away with crazy shit. Because they. That's why sitcoms get away with crazy shit. Because there's literally a studio audience telling you. Oh, it's it's okay. okay with. Yeah, it's okay with a hundred people in the room. It's not like, oh, this is abusive. And, and the character literally, Kimmy Gibbler has to pause so a studio audience can laugh at her, take her punishment. In real life, at least at least when someone says something shitty, you can immediately like blurt out fuck you and leave the room. I'm gonna go tell my mom. <laughs> not cool, Danny Mr. Tanner. Um I'm a human being. So not to to jump to Fuller House, but but in Fuller House, Kimmy Gibbler is carrying uh, Stephanie's uh, surrogate child, which is an... Oh, yeah. And I don't don't know if they handle that well, because I only watched this episode, and I only will be watching that episode. Um, Yeah, context clues. Well, I I actually remember an early episode of the first season where Stephanie says she can't have children, which, again, really just a lot of fun they have bringing that show back. (laughs) There is like a there is like a weird thing where it's like how much of the real world do you bring into your sitcom? Because like sometimes it's nice to like recognize a little bit of death for you know to make it more relatable. That's like you know basically what every ch- children's movie does is like has like the death of a parent or a death of a friend or something in the background. Um, but like there is a level where you're like, so when you were in the writers' room, at what point were you like? 
And guess what? Stephanie also is incapable of having children. It's like, maybe that's not right for Full House, and uh, they definitely didn't handle it well, so sure, even if it's right for Full House, it's a sensitive topic, and you want to be careful about it. Um, but yeah, it's a big question when you're doing a sitcom. Not be anyway, like, so I guess says, I'll stay with you, yeah. Kim, Kimmy says, uh, sorry, no, Steph says, uh, yeah, yeah, but you're like my friend. And then Kimmy says, oh, you think we're friends? I've been waiting 30 years to hear that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bro, you're carrying this person's child and not for money. Well, because Stephanie is now shitty to Kimmy in the new ones because it's like, well, Kimmy's whole thing is just eating shit from the people that she loves more than anyone in her life and has like spent her life hoping to be part of a family because as it's insinuating, her parents don't care about her. Which is why she always got to do stuff with no supervision that DJ didn't get to do because she was kind of a latchkey kid. But she's found this surrogate family who does nothing but verbally berate her. And 20 years later, when she goes to help her best friend uh, after her husband burns alive, that younger sister is back to be like, I'm going to take up the family mantle of verbally abusing you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, it's nice, I think, is what we're saying. I think for, it's, it's nice. Christmas for the whole family. I think it's nice to to know that someone is willing to just sit there and take the pain and then also for some reason Kimmy Gibbler is also living in the full house. Well, it wouldn't be full if Kimmy's not there. Peter, you can't have full, you can't have like a uh, moderately occupied house. Yeah. To some people, the house is half full. To other people, it's full. The people that have actually seen the show, the house is very full. It's very full. So the last full house, we gotta, we gotta move on. The last full house episode is called Arrest Ye Merry Gentlemen. Primarily focuses on a famous racist in a specific movie, maybe in real life. We never decided for sure on our Muppets episode. Mickey Rooney owning a prank store. Michelle got her dad a tie, a prank tie, thinking that they'd love it. Just so happens that Becky bought a prank tie and everyone laughs at what a stupid gift that is. So she goes with Jesse back to the prank store. They're closed. She saved up money to get her dad a, a great present. And so they kind of like force their way into the store. Mickey Rooney as the shopkeeper's like, uh, hey, I'm closed. And I'm going to call the police and locks him in there for the police to capture him. But then you find out he's just a sad, lonely man at Christmas who wanted people to hang out with him. Because he stopped talking to Allah like Home Alone. The neighbors stopped talking to his kids. Uh, and they're his grandkids. So, of course, they invite him back to their house and their Christmas celebration. This is the someone doesn't have a place to go for Christmas trope. And that, like most of the episode is takes place in that novelty store. And this is the one where Jesse, who has always like cared about the true meaning of Christmas kind of loses it and just gets angry at this guy, calls him kind of like a lonely old man. And it's the one where he kind of has to get back his meaning. And like, he apologizes for forgetting what was important during this time of year as well. Uh, Not a good episode. Definitely like the final season of a not so good sitcom to begin with. Like most of the characters are not in this episode. They just focus it all with guest star Mickey Rooney. There's two things I do want to mention though. So, at the prank store, Michelle, who is eight, grabs a cigar and does a Groucho Marx impression. And I don't believe for one second that Michelle Tanner, as a character, knows who Groucho Marx is. 
Two, when they come back home with Mr. Dracone, the Mickey Rooney character, Jesse says to Danny, you know Mr. Dracone from the novelty store in San Francisco. It's like small town USA. Everyone knows the old novelty store shopkeep by name. Um, turns out he was sad and lonely and we invited him to our house. Like the fact that they would go to a novelty store enough to know the shopkeeper's name is very funny to me. Uh, yeah, it's just a regular store. You, you drop in, uh, that, that just means they have too many people in their lives and they're just like, I, I don't know what to get for any of them. So they're getting fake vomit. They're getting whoopee cushions. They're... We go there quite a lot. Yeah, because like you have too many people in your life that you have to buy presents for. Eventually, you're going to stop being thoughtful and just go to Spencer's Gifts. I can't believe we're talking about Mickey Rooney two months in a row. Um, I can't either, but in another sense, uh, I think Mickey Rooney... It was inevitable. I think, I, in another sense, we, we were always going to go down this road. Huh? It was part of my plan. <laughs> I wasn't in the episode because I was wearing a Mickey Rooney costume because I cut the skin off of Mickey Rooney. <laughs> this is Steve. I wasn't in this episode unless you count being under all of Mickey Rooney's skin. <laughs> <laughs> I played a pretty good prank on the denizens of San Francisco. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> there is no Mr. Dracone. There's only Steve. <laughs> Young, attractive couple thought they would neck in the car. I sure played a prank on them. <laughs> that was my first prank when I realized my love of pranks. <laughs> Honestly, cleanup wise, chattering teeth way easier than bodies. <laughs> Although, I will say, the teeth chattered that day as well. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, Mickey Rooney is an old grumpy dick in this episode, and I can't get a fucking read on his character. Because he's he's both like, uh, he's both having a lot of fun being the asshole, but he also... Just lonely. He's, lonely he's just man. lonely. So he veers. He's. It's. It's. It feels like it's drunk, Mickey Rooney, because he veers wildly between like having a blast and being a. Is there any other mean old fucker? <laughs> Switching to Fuller House is that we talked about Fuller House quite a bit. Uh, the first one is called Nutcrackers, which speaks very much to where uh, Fuller House's head is at. But yeah, there's a uh, there's a mistletoe hat. Stephanie's boyfriend says I love you, which we found out later on because we weren't watching, is Kimmy's brother, and she, like, wants to break up with him. Um, They do make a nutcracker joke being in reference to uh, testicles getting cracked. Oh, yeah, because they go to the the, the valet, the nutcracker, and someone gets kicked in the nuts by Kimmy because she's filling in for her daughter who's late because she wanted to go to her friend's party. It's like... I don't know if it's just I don't know all these people, but these plots e- felt even more convoluted with, like, what? There's too much going on. <laughs> and this is also one where Steve is there and uh, has his girlfriend and her kid who falls in love with DJ's middle child. There's this weird disconnect when you watch an episode like this that's supposed to be, like, a continuation of the previous show. And this isn't actually the show's fault, but I just, through the first 10 minutes of this show, I was just like, 
who the fuck are all of you? They just think new kids keep popping up and new characters and half of them. I'm like, wait, maybe, maybe you were from the old one. You're like, no, no. Oh yeah. That's Steve. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, yeah, just, it's very, are... it's very just surreal to watch a show like this where you're like, you're getting little like nostalgia echoes of the past. Uh, so quick after watching the previous show, but in the same sense, they also want you to embrace all of these new characters. So there was a, a kind of a joke in here that I found funny, and I don't know if it's because I like at this point my brain is just looking for anything that resembles a joke and a good delivery of the joke to latch onto. But so Stephanie's boyfriend originally is like we I, we're gonna have a long distance relationship, and she's initially like very scared about that, and then he says I love you, and then he then she's like oh now I'm scared about that. Her boyfriend is essentially, as we said, Ashton Kutcher from that 70s show. Like, looks like him, dresses like him, acts like him. But they presumably cast him because he can act. So even though he's definitely doing another sitcom character, he is can deliver lines that are funny. And the fact that he thinks he's actually took a job in Oakland, which he thinks is Auckland, New Zealand, or thinks the city across the bay is is named Auckland, not Oakland. And that confuses Stephanie. Like, I know it's not funny that I'm – how I'm saying it, but the Auckland-Oakland stuff was mildly amusing. Yeah, I mean, it's at least like a joke structure. Um, yeah. And the fact that he, like, he refuses to acknowledge that he's mispronouncing it, like, you know, beer. Well, that he, it's not that he that mispronounces it. Joke. Yeah, that he's lived there his entire life and thinks the city across the bay is named Auckland is somewhat funny to me. Yeah, that's it's a joke. Yeah, that's a, um, that is that is the structure of a joke. Most of the most of the the joke structures on both Full House and Fuller House um, aren't quite jokes. They're like uh, one funny one liner, and then um, somebody says like uh, one funny one liner, and then somebody like uh, hugs the little girl for being precocious or gives her a noogie. Um, or someone is just like, shut up. Like there's, there's not actually like a, yeah, like set up joke punchline structure for almost any of the jokes because that's like, you know, takes, takes effort. Um, yeah. So, and then again, this is just because like the nature of what they were talking about, Got to me, but this is the one at the end where Stephanie is talking about like how when mom died, she isolated herself from the family and did as where like DJ reached out to her dad, talked about it and like and was able to, you know, move on from it like that Stephanie essentially isolated, never talked about it with anyone. But just in her, like, as a six-year-old, recognized that anyone could be gone at any moment. So it's important not to get too close to anyone. Which, again, reframes Full House in, like, absurdly darkly. <laughs> like, just just what the fuck are you thinking when it comes to, like, Full House's canon? And again, it's just because of the words they were saying. Even though, even though Jodie Sweetin's a bad actress, like, the sentiment kind of choked me up a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, the, act, the actors seem to be having fun and seem to like one another. Wait, the the part that I said, that part? Yeah. Shit. When they were talking about how how they dealt with trauma as children? Yeah, the actor, the actor. Were you listening to me? Yeah. You're like, oh, they seem to be having fun in that moment. The actors, they, they have fun, all right? They, 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 yeah. they love... They love talking about all the trauma they've been through and how they got here. It's it's fun. Sure. 
they also would invite each other to each other's weddings, and I believe they have <laughs> on multiple occasions. Because I believe Jody Sweeten's been married a couple times, and I think in one of them, uh, they were bridesmaids. And same thing at the... Yeah, really, everyone but Michelle. They just got, you know, they kept solving mysteries as little gumshoes on their video series, and uh, everyone else got jealous and probably said mean things about them. Do you think that the reason they didn't come back was because they solved the greatest mystery? Who the Zodiac Killer was? The problem was, is that they knew that DJ loved Steve, and they loved DJ too much to reveal the secret to the world, but they also knew they couldn't lie to DJ. So they had to, They say I say they, there's only one of them in this universe. <laughs> um, but she, she had to go into hiding to protect her family's emotional stability and Steve's deep, dark secret. Uh, I mean, that's, that, that makes sense to me. I mean, or in this universe, the reason Michelle never comes back is because Steve. Steve's like, Michelle will call you next week. And then he fly <laughs> he flies to New York and does like a Michelle voice. And like, oh, oh Skype's so blurry. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing like a wig and pretending to have a fashion empire. So I imagine very much a Mrs. Doubtfire situation. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> I'm your not murdered sister! <laughs> no! I'm just Zodiac running my victim here! <laughs> I'm running my fashion empire! <laughs> uh, Alright, so the last one's called Oh My Santa, it, which is a uh, word play on Oh My Lanta, DJ's famous catchphrase. Um, anyway, so this is the one where I guess Steve and DJ are dating, and then I fell asleep. So, well, let uh, me tell you what happens. I woke up and saw Joey there. So let me tell you, let me tell you what happens. Uh, Joey says, uh, everyone's asking where Joey's wife is and why he still has the suit. And Joey says, uh, Ginger, presumably his wife, uh, has a, has a thing implying that his wife has a Santa fucking fetish. So I had to sit because you were asleep and I was awake. I felt asleep. I had to sit and think about uh, the concept of Joey uh, getting fucked in a uh, Santa costume. Well, he does like dressing as Santa. He did it literally in the other full house, all the other Full House episodes. So yeah, but I just thought about good. him as Santa in the other episodes. I didn't think about him as Santa getting fucked. Did you think about him as Santa getting fucked doing a... Uh, a- Tasmanian devil voice because one thing we didn't mention from the season six full house episode is that he's decided that playing Santa as Santa is too stale so he's going to dress as Santa and then do one of his dumbass fucking cartoon voices and so he he goes around the house trying all of them out including like I'm Santa (laughs) Joey would have been the worst comedian of all time I know that Dave Coulet is an actual comedian. I don't know how much their act is close. My guess is quite a bit. But did he really just do like, like, pop with the Sailor Man? Like, was that Dave Coulier's bit? So that's the thing that's funny is that like in the 80s, in the 80s, you would be able to get away with just doing impressions. Like just doing like middling impressions was enough. And that's like kind of how Dave Coulier got his his start anyways. So Well, that and getting blowjobs from famous singers. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, like we could, we could all be so lucky. Um, I love that. <laughs> how funny was that? That turned out to be about fucking Dave Coulier. I don't know if that's anticlimactic or what, but it's it's certainly uh, more interesting than if it had been like 
I don't know, just like a generic hunky guy, right? Like John Stamos. <laughs> like John St- it's so much more interesting than if it had been John Stamos, right? So anyways, yeah, I don't know. Anything else from that last episode while I was like half asleep for? We gotta talk about? Uh, oh, it snows, like, but for real. What do you mean, but for real in this context? Is it, <laughs> like, snow, like it showed the while they were... Snow fake in that one episode? Like, wasn't it? Um, well, it's, it snows in the second season. Yeah. Second season, real blizzard. Stuck in the airport. Six season snow machine. This time it's it's just it's just real snow. Well, probably not though, right? Because like you know, it's a TV show that's on a set. Yeah, you don't want to get that set all wet. You don't want a wet set. So that's Full House Christmas episodes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, one thing I need to say: the show yeah. is just re- final thoughts. The show yeah. is just revels in the the Fuller House revels in like a bad attempt at cringe humor, like rap and DJ. Yeah, and, single entendres. And single entendres. Just like, uh, oh, we're going to do something that's bad and we know it's bad. Um, and like uh, the Nutcracker bullshit where Kimmy is... The show can't decide if it's cringeworthy or not. So it'll like be like, aha, isn't this uncomfortable? And then it'll be like, oh, yeah, but Kimmy has good dance moves. And and the, the show's refusal to commit to any bit whatsoever it 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 just shows you how cynical it is like no one no one believed in in the entire writers room in any single bit they were just like we just need yeah. to get these faces in front of this camera and they have to say something or it's going to be weird yeah and say what you will about full house is that like that's what sitcoms were right like there was definitely like the more adult sitcoms which uh, in both the 80s and the 90s, but like the top rated stuff was like it, it's it's something we talked about in our getting even with dad episode that like comedy for me growing up meant like not serious and occasionally someone said something funny, which is obviously much different than our idea of like comedies as I got a little older and like discovered Mel Brooks and Airplane and The Naked Gun. It's like, oh, you can just have jokes all the time. Like that's what a comedy is. And even like comedies now like the office wasn't always like laugh out loud funny or uh something like that but it was like joke 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 awkward joke serious joke like laugh out loud joke absurdist joke surreal joke and then like shows like seinfeld that was like joke 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 even like friends and like earlier like 80s type those sitcoms were like had jokes but when you're a kid and your idea of like you're watching all this shit like that's on like primetime tv right like whether it's Full House or Family Matters or Boy Meets World or Step by Step or on and on and on and on. Like, I wasn't watching Murphy Brown. I was watching these and it felt like there was a ton of them and it felt like that's what a sitcom was. So regardless of, like, whether Full House is a good show now, and I would say it's not, it's not going to do much for you nostalgic, but it is like still a show that I could see being a five, six, seven year old, like my daughter is. I can see why she enjoys it, right? Like that is, and I and I don't have a lot of like major like, oh no, like I'm sorry, the '90s and '80s were terrible, which they were for a lot of pop culture material. But like for the most part, this fine teaches good lessons. Great. I don't have any like qualms or acts to grind with it, even if I, besides some like, oh, I remember this episode. I don't get much out of it. But at the very least, like you said, they were working within a structure that, you know, especially popularized by the Cosby show um, of like, we're a family. Here's our situation. It's a lot of heartwarming stuff. 
Um, people love each other, and they get into convoluted situations that they need to figure out a way out of. And they learn some lessons on the way. And, like, Fuller House just doesn't feel like any of that. It just doesn't know what it wants to be. It's both cashing in on nostalgia, but then, like, trying to appeal to, I don't know, like, I don't, I just don't, like, that, a, a very weird audience for who wants to watch a, a Full House spinoff in the mid-2000s or 2010s. You, I think what you're talking about, Peter, is that that kind of, like, cringe humor is cringe humor to us now, but it was like in in Full House. I feel like it was working within some level of established. Like, no, these are the kind of jokes we tell on these shows. We're here because it doesn't have that bellwether. It's like I don't know. We'll do. We know it's dumb because now those things feel a lot dumber than they used to, and like on and on and on. And so it's just this mishmash of like bad dad jokes, raunchy humor. And, like, cashing in on, what if we bring this character back? What if we bring this character back? What if we get super serious awkward? Like, I don't know. Like, did anyone learn lessons in these episodes? I don't I don't feel like they did. Like, and I'm not saying, like, you need your full house to teach lessons. But, like, that's what the fucking show was, like, up. Like, that's the joke. Is that every time it was, you know, Danny sitting down with one of his girls. And either he was learning something or they were learning something. So when your Full House, Fuller House spinoff has all that shit. But then also, like, misses the thing that it's most both known and mocked for. I don't know. Like, what are you even doing? Obviously, as you guys could tell, we had a lot to talk about Full House. Hopefully, some of it was mildly interesting to you. I am not one of those people who gets up in arms about reboots and and remakes and everything that you loved as a kid coming back. Uh, and I definitely, if I was that sort of person, wouldn't be defensive about preserving Full House's legacy specifically. But I do feel like Fuller House especially is like crass in a way I find somewhat offensive. Like I, I am weirdly offended. Just by as a it. product. I, yeah. Like the the strongest uh condemnation I usually give to things is to pretend they don't exist and then if anybody asks me about them I, I pretend like I haven't seen them. Um so that's that's usually my strongest condemnation. But for this one I just can't help but like get in the mud with it. Like partially because yeah. you, you've assigned me to this task, but um I can't help but get in the mud with this disgusting show. Yeah. So, Full House, great example of a not-so-great type of sitcom. Fuller House is waste created by human garbage, apparently, with Jeff Franklin. And I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, Anyway, that's Christmas. Merry Christmas. This is probably, it's either about to be Christmas or Christmas has just passed. Uh, So, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas or whatever, holidays, whatever you celebrate this time of year or if you don't celebrate anything also great we love having you as uh listeners we love to watch and as you can tell we've been recording for like three plus hours and it's time for for pd and aaron to go to sleep uh so this is a terrible outro uh for another year past for we love to watch peter this i can't believe this is our fourth calendar year we started in 2016 we're we're moving into 2020 can't stop us this is very exciting. Like, yeah. we, 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 we can't be stopped. We can't be. We're like uh, Hannibal's army moving over the blah, blah, blah mountains. I'm not a <laughs> fucking nerd. We're, we're like Steve, the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> um, can't be stopped. Never was stopped.
We don't uh, know Steve how many. could not be stopped because Steve no. uh, assumed he wore many hats over the years. Um, but the one and, thing and never some did, scalps. Never betrayed San Francisco, though. Always, he always no. knew knew to stick to his roots. Yeah, yeah. So he's he a was hometown a, boy. The Zo- <laughs> you know what? You gotta respect something about the Zodiac Killer. He's a hometown boy. Yeah, he only killed people in the surrounding area, <laughs> which some people would argue uh, is part of San Francisco. All right, um, all right. I mean, it's the Bay Area. Okay, and I consider Steve Auckland the Bay Area. B A E. No, I uh, I think everyone got it. Uh, yeah. So thank you for joining us for another year. Hopefully you enjoyed this uh, sort of uh, off-brand Christmas month, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, we get to exercise some demons and have some good goofum arounds and talk about some movies that we definitely wouldn't have watched otherwise. And sometimes that's what can be fun about the show. We'll be more on brand next month when we are switching to kind of a bookend from uh, this past summer where we did Lovecraft adaptations. We're doing inspired by Lovecraft movies in a winter's Lovecraft where we'll be covering um, Peter Weir's The Last Wave, Martyrs, uh, two Fulci movies, uh, City of the Living Dead, and The Beyond, and uh, Astron 6 is sort of Astron 6 is. The Astron 6 adjacent. Uh, Adjacent. Uh, It's all the people. They just purposely shed the label so it wasn't associated with their other movies, which uh, are very different in tone from The Void. But both are great. Uh, big diversion here, but we uh, we had so much other Lovecraft stuff we want to talk about that we figured that after two months of heartwarming cheer, we can get back into some cosmic horror. But before a bunch of other blips and bloops and zings and zags and zugs uh, throughout the rest of the year, because we have through August planned. But before we get into any of that Lovecraft stuff, we are doing our annual tradition of the best movies of one year earlier. So next week, you will hear the best movies of 2018, starring myself, Peter, and recurring guest who has joined us every year uh, on on this special epi, Joseph J. Finn. I like to say it, the best things in life are free, but you can, you can give them to the birds and bees. I want movies. <laughs> and the last thing I'll say is, <laughs> doobidoobapada. <laughs> No, that's the Halo theme song. No, I think uh, Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's someone making noises. They do it in a lot of songs, Peter. (laughs) It's the Halo theme song you were just making. I've never played a Halo game, Peter. I don't know the Halo theme song. I don't. It's the full house theme song. In Halo, do they talk about paper boys? I don't care if you and and Paul McCartney, the composer of Halo, came up with the same song. You did the Halo theme. Paul McCartney was the composer of Halo? Absolutely. Don't Google it. Good night. (laughs) Good night. Cause the love that you gave that we made wasn't able to make it enough for you to be open wide. No. And every time you speak her name, does she know how you told me you'd hold me until you died? Till you died, but I asked you night and I'm here to remind you of the mess you left when you were away. It's not fair to deny me of the cross I bear that you gave to me.
Thank you so much for listening to We Love to Watch. If you made it to the end, hopefully you liked what you heard today. And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, it wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand and you want to support the show. We truly, absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and it's because it really does help. And so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, We really do appreciate you. Uh, With kisses and smooches, Peter and Aaron. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>